and Lex. Two imperfect six-figure business coaches, co-founders, and friends who decided to combine our superpowers to bring to market something we wish we had when we entered the world of coaching. A real, non-BS, intimate, and fun community built with integrity, intention, and a few glasses of wine. In this podcast, we get real. Real about life. Business. Relationships and what it really takes to find your version of success in the world of coaching. Are you ready, Lex? I'm set, Em. Let's coach. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, you seem really excited today. I'm excited because I know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about mermaids. And before you say one other word, I don't think I told you this, but when I said to my husband last week, Everyone's telling me to watch Mer People. He said, So Emily's telling you to watch Mer People. <laughs> Did you watch it? We're watching it still. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think? Uh, I mean, we're captivated. It's fascinating. It's beautiful. It's a whole new world. I get it. Kind of want to do it. Also, really extreme, painful. Painful. Like when they were talking about their their ear issues, their nose issues, their eye issues. Like you don't think about the performance level that you have to have where you're keeping your eyes open, you're breathing underwater to the best of your capabilities and you're like entertaining and being graceful while your lungs are about to explode. It's a lot. No dead mermaids. No dead mermaids. And okay, so the best part when I was watching it uh, with Greg, he would be sleeping on the, he was sleeping on the floor. His back's always hurting. So he's sleeping on the floor and every few minutes he'd go, are you, are they serious? Is this show for real? Like he'd be asleep and then he'd come to and he'd wake up and he would comment and have some sort of commentary. Like he could not look away, but fun fact, I actually know a professional mermaid. Actually, I think you do through self-made, right? yourself made and she's amazing shout out to jinx um but just crazy she was the only person i had heard of that did this and then to realize that it's such a robust and like i I forget what they said the industry was how much money these people were making um but there's conferences there's competitions there's click there's i want to go to wiki watching now you know cj's been more into it even than me which not to put stereotypes, but I, I'm, I go to bed earlier than him. And I keep like stopping the show mid episode and he gets so upset. He's like, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. I'm like, until tomorrow. <laughs> the mermaids will have to wait, but it, I, there was a moment. So spoiler alerts for what we're talking about y'all is a Netflix show called Mer People. It's a documentary about these individuals who are pursuing mermaiding as as professional as a profession and um some of these individuals are going into extreme debt to do so some of them are working multiple jobs just to continue to pursue this this goal of theirs and um i think the thing that was just so admirable was that like this is a dream that they want to bring to reality no matter if they live in arkansas or they live in florida but there was a moment in the show where this gal goes to a kid's birthday party and she's carried out by like a teenager essentially and plopped into the pool. And I cried because I, I was saying to Greg, I was like, I know this sounds really corny and I know the entrance seemed really cheesy, but if I was a kid there, I would have lost my shit to like, I literally was so 
I, I was just putting it, that childlike wonder that I had as a kid very much overtook me, my emotions. And just, I was so appreciative of like, what she's doing is not only for her, but it also brought joy and this, this element of magic that we lose in our adulthood to these little kids. I totally agree. We're halfway through the final episode and that's when they're all going onto the cruise ship. And there's a moment where they zoom in on the faces of these mermaids looking at the cruise ship. And there are very few authentic human moments in life where I've seen people look that happy. And I, I, I turned to see I'm like, I don't know if I've ever been that happy about anything. And we were like, what is there a day or a time or a memory? And I, I, narrowed it down to uh, my wedding day. I think there was some wonderment in my eyes, but it it's truly wonderful seeing these humans thrive. And you know, there is a bad rap. Not, not everyone might think that mermaiding is real, right? There's probably a lot of misconceptions. Maybe they don't think it's all that credible. And that is so such a wonderful tie-in to today's show. We're going to talk about how to build and establish credibility as a mermaid. Just kidding. As a coach. (laughs) Wonderful. I have to, before we start, um, we have to introduce some new lingo. Uh, It's mermaid lingo. So when we talk to each other throughout the today's show, we have to incorporate the new mermaid lingo. Hello. Hello to you too. And uh, I'll let you finish that one. That sentence. F-I-N. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, What were the other ones that they had? Mercenality. You have a great mercenality, Emily. You're my mermama. Mermama. You're my mermama. Sheesters? Shellsters? No. Sheesters. 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 My mer-seesters. Anyways, so we might incorporate some surprise and delights throughout this episode. Let's make it a challenge. Now I'm like, what were the mermaids? ChatGPT. Language. Okay, Emily, kick us off. So how to build and establish credibility as a coach. First, let's start with the word and the title of coach. Lex, the word coach is so, so controversial. And I have to be completely real with you that when I first started off with coaching, I really struggled with the word coach. I first, first and foremost, even backing up further, I remember hiring coaches and felt like a failure for hiring coaches. And and at the time when I hired coaches, I wasn't tagging them on social media. I felt like it was an undercover mission to hire a coach. And now I feel like the coaching industry has become a lot more mainstream where people are, are celebratory by, you know, sharing their wins and tagging their coaches. And there's a lot more celebration of who they're working with. So when the time came that I decided to become a coach, I really struggled with putting that hat on. And I think it comes from my perception, at least is the ickiness of feeling like, um, there's a great quote in, uh, what's it called? The wedding planner, those who don't wed plan. And so with coaching, there's that aspect of, is the coach, is the person who is a coach, are they people who weren't successful in the industry that they wanted to be in? And now they're teaching people what they're doing. That's a fantastic overview, Emily. Yes, I've been thinking about that for half the time you were speaking. Um, No, but really it was. It was a fantastic overview. And I, I would say more often than not, when we talk to individuals who are transitioning or considering the transition into coaching, they have a massive resistance to wanting to associate themselves with 
the word coach so much to the point someone a lot of them say like I hate the word coach the word coach is slimy I feel like it makes me look less credible and to call it what it is there's there's ego attached to it right because to your point beyond your point there are a ton of people in the marketplace who have claimed that word when they don't necessarily have we'll say the resume to back it so a business coach who's never had a business for example yeah I think that's a great one and I think when I had my first introduction to coaching, it was life coaches. And it was always through my mom, you know, it'd be in high school or, or more call. Yeah. More high school. She would go to these, um, women's like newcomer luncheons and she'd be like, Oh, this is life coach Deborah. And then I'd meet Deborah and Deborah felt like a hot mess and, you know, felt really disorganized. So in a weird way, I think my association had been with that type of stereotype of a person when in reality, that's not the case at all. And I think credibility though, is a lot of times based on your first perception of something. So I'd actually be curious for you when you, when you think of the first coach that comes to your mind, do you have someone that, that pops into your brain? Yeah. My basketball coach. I think that's the other part too, is that there's a longstanding history of the word coach attached to athletics before it became necessarily a profession. I have shared this on the podcast before, but, you know, I was initially attracted to coaching because of the business model. When they found out I was listening to podcasts from coaching, then, you know, the algorithms that be then started putting a lot of coaches content, throwing it at me, showing up in my feed. Um, I then started consuming a lot. And I think the perception I had originally with coaches is that, they were really just after high volume money with not delivering a ton of value. And I kind of became anti high volume coach for a moment in my career because I associated high volume with lack of value. Basically, yada, 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 the psychology lesson is saying to your point, my first experience with coaching and how it was advertising to me did affect how I then perceived that word. Yeah. And yet I think at the same time, there's words that are synonyms of coaches that we feel a lot more kinship towards, like mentorship or strategist, mm -hmm. where it feels more in intentional of delivering something specific, while coaching can be a vague word. And in my own personal experience as a coach, I tried on a lot of different words before coach was the only word in which I did. Like I'm, I'm more than a consultant. I'm more than a mentor. I'm more than, I'm more than any of those strategists. I am literally your coach. Like I am, I am there running the, the side of the basketball court with you. Yeah, for sure. One thing I, I advise to people, or let me say this, another perspective I offer, because if you have a mental block or resistance to the word coach, it's usually not something you just get over in the blink of an eye. So from a strategic standpoint, one thing that would behoove you to, to own that title is how it makes sense searchability-wise. If someone is looking for a business coach and you're a business coach or mentor and you aren't using that word, you're not going to show up in their searches. So a lot of people... The people who want to coach, the people who are 
not thinking the world of coaching is spammy are going to be looking for that word. So from an SEO standpoint or a searchability standpoint, there's a lot of uh, business sense to be made for allowing yourself to own it. Lex, how can people find out how to work with us? Super simple. Go to readysetcoachprogram.com. Link in show notes. I think that's a great point in terms of you want to make a splash. You need to make sure that, sorry, I had to, had to put it in there. Uh, you, you need to make sure that you're not being too creative. And this is a big problem we see where they're like, I'm not a coach. I'm a business mentalist. And you're like, mm, maybe that's a part of what you're doing. Maybe you're a mind reader, business mind reader. I'm totally making this up, y'all. Um, but I think there's that aspect of you need to you need to be searchable or people aren't going to find you. Totally. You- At one point I was playing, I'm an organic growth coach. And I realized very quickly, no one is searching for organic growth coach. So even though it felt real to me from a strategy standpoint, people weren't looking for that. So there's things you can do to put a title on a LinkedIn or put a title on an Instagram bio that just makes sense. And then of course, when you're explaining or talking to someone or networking, you can expand and use language that feels good to you. But um, first, coaching is legit. This is an industry. It's a multi-multi-billion dollar industry. There's facts, there's stats, there's data. So if you decide to own that title, what are the things that can help you build credibility as a coach, Emily? Always putting me on the hot seat first. So building credibility as a coach is something we don't want you to wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm a coach that's on my title. I have worked at, um, I just graduated college and I have no life experience. and I'm going to start, be a business coach. I wouldn't recommend that. So I think in terms of building credibility, you need to have worked at a business if you want to be a business coach. Better yet, launching a business if you've launched, uh, if you want to be a business coach. So, credibility can start with the work history that you have, the the jobs that you've been at, the companies that you've been a part of. Uh, it can also be taking courses or certifications. I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of or supporter of continued learning. So, be that through a program like. Um, General Assembly, where you're learning a, to deepen a, a specific skill or a certification that helps you get stronger in a particular area, uh, I encourage you to dig deeper there. Those are some of the initial thoughts that I have, but Lex, are there any other things that you think that help build credibility? I seriously agree with that, SEA. Again, let's <laughs> think about that half the time you're talking. Okay, so yes, to kind of wrap up, I was multitasking and listening, but your resume is big and your resume can look like real world experience. Your resume can include degrees. Your resume can include certifications in certain programs. So absolutely your resume, those elements on your resume can build credibility. Another thing that can build credibility and is huge are testimonials and case studies. And testimonials can be, in case studies are great, you might be thinking, oh, I'm a new coach. I don't have those yet. There's things you can do to build them. And it's something you should be thinking about from day one. If you don't have an experience, any experience coaching yet, get some beta clients. You need to start coaching so that you can have 
people's third party words on how you did because someone else saying you did great is a lot more credible than you just saying you're great. A thousand percent. And Lex, when you started out, how did you find your beta clients? Yep. So my very first was someone I knew just because I was nervous. Once I got that out of the gate, I went on Instagram and I cold DM'd a few women that I thought would be my ideal clients. And I said, look, I'm getting my start in the coaching industry. I really like what you're doing. At that time, I'd had 10 years experience in PR. I'd love to do a coaching session for one hour. Hopefully you'll get a lot of great advice out of it. What I'd get out of it is a testimonial if you want. Either way, you know, I'll get you a, a copy for your time. And luckily, everyone said yes. And luckily, they went really well. And I got some really phenomenal testimonials that also helped build my confidence and my ability to coach. Thousand percent. And I'll also add that getting a beta client is a great way to start building referrals, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but just referrals of people that when you are interviewing or clients are interviewing to work with you and they might ask, Hey, can I talk to a past client? You also have someone that you can send them to with their experience, as well as this person now is a little micro ambassador out in the world who's singing the praises of of Lexi and, uh, and her skills with PR. Yep. So resumes, testimonials and case studies, what else help you build and establish credibility? Some other ones could be credible collabs. I think credible collabs could be like with a brand that is a household brand or like a cool brand or a sought after brand. Uh, think about how often we buy as consumers or we follow individuals on Instagram or we engage in a particular way when a certain brand is linked to it. Like, oh my God, Taco Bell did a collaboration with this brand. I must buy the product. I I really respect that product and I'm a big fan of Taco Bell. And then your husband buys you a super bright red uh, suitcase, but that's a different story for a different day with <laughs> gets very excited. Um, but yeah, so credible collabs. So it could be with other coaches. It could be even with brands or it could be with your own clients. Yeah, absolutely. And another kind of spin on a credible collab could be a credible collab in way of an event. It could be with a brand. It could also be a university. Maybe you're invited to speak. So here's early on in my post collegiate career, I was invited back to my university to speak to their PR department or not. What are they called? And yeah, the PR kids in the PR school, the youth, the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Youth. PR youth. Youth. So, okay. you know, in my rap sheet, my rap sheet is not the right word in my, I can say, right. I have been invited by, or I was trusted by the university of Oregon to coach their youth. Right. And there's credibility in that. Yeah, I think that's a great one. And then another one that I think is really helpful too, Lex, and you are the expert on this, but is getting press, you know, being a thought leader in, in various publications or being featured in publications. I know when I was featured in Forbes, it, I don't know how this happened. I guess someone tagged me on LinkedIn and then my people on LinkedIn got a notification and I woke up to text messages from people being like, oh my God, you were featured in Forbes. I don't think they read the article, but like that, that name association made me that much more credible. Yeah. And I think the concept there is very in line with a credible collab because Forbes, Business Insider, 
these big media outlets, they already have credibility. So by yeah. then featuring you or by you being able to leverage that logo, it's going, whoa, Forbes thinks I'm credible. You should. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. How many times have I bought a product that had the Shark Tank logo on it? Yeah. Where I'm like, these are super <laughs> smart people. I must buy the Scrub Daddy. I think that's my favorite product still. On, it's from the Shark most Tank. successful um, to date. And that was Lori's. I met, I met them. I met that team. Really? I'm like forgetting the, the guy's name, but uh, we did a quick scroll. When I was in the heat of representing the Shark Tank brands that I did, we had a commercial recording or, you know, one of those updates they do, like, where are they now? Yeah, in yeah. Office Depot in LA. And it was all of Lori Grenier's entrepreneurs at that point in time. And so I got to meet like all of them. Anyways, I like totally fangirled at Scrub Daddy, which if you had ever said who fun fangirls at a scrub entrepreneur or a sponge entrepreneur, not everyone would get it, but if you watch Shark Tank, you get it. Yeah, you get it. I see it. And I'm like, we need to buy or another potty. I was like, oh my God, it's squatty potty. <laughs> I know some big consumers of this, the squatty potty. I love their commercials. Um, but that credibility too, like if you were to buy a random smiley face scrub thing without Shark Tank on it, you might think it's trash, but because Shark Tank has verified that this is something that's amazing, you're that much more likely to put your dollars um, towards their product. hundred percent. So credibility, another thing, another phrase that is in line with credibility is the concept of no like, and trust. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this on the show. You know, if all the things we just said, if you're getting press, if you're getting logos, if you're doing partnerships, you're really aligning yourself and putting yourself in a position to be known and trusted. I think the the last little piece there is still showing up to give people an opportunity to like you. Yeah. And I think there's so many ways to do that. You can do that with a a free consultation call. You can do that by um, engaging on Instagram. You can be generous. I think being generous and generosity goes a lot further than being selfish, in my opinion. I, I was trying to think of a pun. There's, I, I was going to say, I agree. I can't think it. I'll ju- I, I'll G agree. Yeah. No, rough. Okay. Rough seas <laughs> out there, Captain. Yeah, there we go. You got to <laughs> wail it in, wail it in. I wailed it in. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, You're for compliments on that one, I yeah. think. So, okay. Okay, guys, we're, we're, we're wheeling ourselves in here. Some homework that we have for you is to develop um, a credibility list. You can call it a different thing. So you can go call it a self-love list. You can call it a, we had a guest speaker once who called it, um, was it an effing fabulous list? Oh yeah. Yeah. Effing fabulous list. I love that. Yeah. So the activity is this sit down either on your computer or with a pen and paper and force yourself to come up with 15 to 20, and yes, 15 to 20 things that make you credible. We just gave you a bunch of stuff. Now, if you're early on and you haven't done collabs, you might not have that box tick off, tick offable yet, check offable yet, but you're going to have real world experience or you're going to have resume things you can pull. And if you really can't get to the 15 or 20, then the step two is it's going to point you towards an opportunity of where you can focus next. Yes. Amen to that. So, uh, with that, 
Is there a buy for mermaid? Is there a, a buy? Is there a goodbye, uh, mermaid? See you later. See there you, we go. See, see you later, guys. We will see you later on the Ready <laughs> Set Coach Podcast. <laughs> If you're enjoying the Ready, Set, Coach podcast, please leave a review wherever you are listening. For more information about Ready, Set, Coach, visit readysetcoachprogram.com.